Chapter 17, 4.23 p.m. I don't think I ever realized how strong Hork-Bajir are until we followed them as they rampaged through the rainforest. They used their arm blades to slash at the vegetation, leaving a path of destruction in their wake. They slashed and slashed and never seemed to tire. There was a human controller with them, a guy who looked like he might be 19 or 20. He was in good shape but he was gasping and sweating and struggling to keep up with the powerful, tireless hork Far above them, we swung and flew and caught and swung again. Are these guys going somewhere, or are they just wandering around? Rachel grumbled. Tick-tock, tick-tock, we're running out of time. There, there, the human controller rasped weakly, pointing in the direction of the base of the tree we were in. That animal, that pig-like thing. I don't think it belongs here. I think the guy was just tired, looking for an excuse to sit down and rest. But without pausing even to consider, the lead hork drew his dragon beam and fired. The wild pig, or whatever it was, sizzled and disappeared. The dragon beam kept traveling. It hit and sliced through the trunk of our tree. Move! I yelled as the tree began to shudder and sway. We leapt wildly for the next tree. I fired myself out into the air. The tree was falling too fast. No time to plan a landing. I flew through the air for a very, very long two seconds. I dropped. The ground came rushing up. I could see the face of the human controller staring up at me, wondering. A branch. I reached. Missed. No, wait. Suddenly, I was stopping, swinging in a crazy circle. I almost laughed when I realized what had happened. My tail had grabbed the branch my hand had missed. I don't like that monkey, the human controller said. The hork leader once again drew his dracon beam and aimed for me. But I was out of there. I raced back along the branch, holding on with my toes. And I swung around the back of the trunk a split second ahead of... Zap! The tree trunk exploded right in front of me as the dracon beam turned its sap to steam. Heat scorched my face. I lost my hold and began to fall. Then, a hand grabbed me. Hold on, Rachel said as she swung me toward a new branch. That does it. That's no real monkey, the human controller yelled. The monkeys. Kill all the monkeys. Kill every monkey you see. Five hork drew their weapons. No, Cassie cried. Jake, we have to stop them. Cassie, get out of here. Go. I yelled. Dracon beams fired their killing light. Tree branches fell away like someone was trimming a rose bush. And one of the beams hit a monkey. Cassie! Marco! Axe! I yelled. It wasn't one of us! Marco answered. Monkeys were destroyed. Birds in the trees were destroyed. A sloth and its baby hanging from a branch were destroyed. The hork were on a rampage. They were past just shooting at monkeys. They were shooting at anything that moved in the high branches. They're killing everything! Cassie cried, outraged. 
We have to stop them! This isn't time to play Save the Rainforest, Cassie. Marco snapped. This is time to play Save Your Own Butt! Jake! Tobias yelled from above. I see Dracon beams being fired! Yeah, we kind of noticed. Rachel answered. We had swung away from most of the slaughter, but we were still near enough to hear the wild, huffing laughter of the orc bajir and the giddy, insane cries from the human controller. I know there is a difference between human life and the lives of other animals. I mean, I guess there is. And I definitely know there is a difference between human life and the lives of trees. But still, that mindless, pointless massacre of trees and the animals in them made me sick. The hork were just cutting everything down. Smoldering stumps stood where trees had been sliced up. The forest was screaming in anger and confusion. <laughs> then something strange happened. As the hork stomped on through the rainforest, something fell from a tree. It was very long, and it wrapped itself around the lead hork A snake! Rachel yelled. Man, I didn't know snakes came that big, Marco said. The snake swiftly coiled around the hork and squeezed. The other hork began to slash at it, then... Get back, fools, and be glad I don't kill you all, a sneering thought-speak voice said. The hork stopped trying to free their trapped friend very suddenly. They stepped back and just watched the struggling hork I knew that thought-speak voice. We all did. Somehow, the sound of it in your brain made you feel afraid. Once the hork stopped struggling, the snake began to change. From the impossibly long snake body, an andalite grew. An andalite body, at least, but not a true andalite. Because in that andalite head lived the yurk slug who held the rank of Visser Three. It's strange how two almost identical things can be so totally different. See, Visser Three looked almost exactly like Axe, or any other Andalite. And yet, there was never a moment of doubt when you saw him that this was an evil creature. The four remaining hork and the human controller were shaking with terror before the Visser. What are you fools doing? The Visser asked in deceptively calm tones. He looked at the human controller. Visser 3 is never very careful about his thought speak. Thought speak is like email. You can decide who it goes to or you can just blast it out for all to hear. I guess if you're as powerful as Visser 3, you just shout away. The human controller turned several shades lighter than his natural color. We... 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 we, we were following your orders, Visser. To destroy any animal that didn't belong here because they could be Andalite bandits. And you thought perhaps the trees were Andalite bandits as well? No, it was... uh... The Visser raked his andalite tail forward and pressed the blade against the man's throat. Did it occur to you that the bugfighter is less than a hundred yards from here? Did it occur to you that Dracon beans travel a long way? Did it occur to you that we cannot get back to our own time without that bugfighter? And did it occur to you that I might be in Morph and you might end up shooting me? The human controller sank to his knees. I, I didn't, we never, it, it, it was them. He pointed a finger of blame at the hork I whispered to Axe, what's that about needing the bugfighter to get back to his own time? Axe shrugged his monkey shoulders. I don't know. I think, 
Maybe we need to exactly recreate the intersection of the two Dracon beams to undo the serial rip. I remember something like that from school. He held up the little disc from the bugfighter's computer. But they cannot fly the bugfighter without this. It came to me then, in a flash of insight. I had made a terrible mistake. I had risked Axe's life to get the computer, to make it impossible for the Yurks to fly the bugfighter. But now, we knew they'd have to fly the bugfighter to get us home. You could say we had a bargaining chip. You'd think maybe we could trade the Visser 3 to the computer for a ride home. But I knew better. Once he had the computer, the Visser would just kill us. We were trapped. Trapped because of my own mistake. Chapter 18 5.25 p.m. We had been in Monkey Morph for almost the two-hour limit. It was time to change and regroup, and hopefully figure out what to do next. We swung away through the trees, far from Visser 3. We scampered down to the ground and began to demorph. Tobias flew up and landed on a fallen tree beside us, since there was no low branches. There was a black singed area on his tail. Tobias! Cassie cried. She rushed over to him as soon as she was human again. I'm fine, Tobias said, as Cassie lifted his tail to check for damage. But someone took a shot at me and almost hit me. I guess one of the human controllers must have been a bird watcher. He knew red tails don't fly in the Amazon. But before they chased me off, I saw them working on our crashed bug fighter. Three taxons crawling all over it, repairing it, and a bunch of orc shooting anything they didn't like. I told Tobias what we'd overheard Visitor 3 saying. They need the bugfighter to get back to the right time. I don't know why, and Axe doesn't know why. Axe was fully Andalite again. He held up the yellow disc. They cannot fly that bugfighter without this. I guarantee it. He was still focusing on that, not thinking ahead to the fact that we needed the Yurks to have the stupid computer now. I know it sounds weird, but I was actually mad at Axe for not seeing what an idiot I'd been. I wanted someone to just say, Jake, you've blown it, man. You're not the leader anymore. It would have been a relief. Jake, Rachel hissed. What? Don't move. Don't anyone move a muscle, Rachel said. I moved nothing but my eyes. From the bushes around us, utterly silent, the heads began to rise. Besides each head, a spear, cocked and ready to fly. I think the local guys have the drop on us, Marco said nervously. I was amazed. It is impossible to sneak up on an Andalite. It is even more impossible to sneak up on a red-tailed hawk. And yet, about twelve guys, some older, some younger, all with intense jet-black eyes and black hair, had done just that. There was no doubt in my mind that if we even twitched, let alone attacked, twelve poison-tipped spears would fly, and the six of us would go down permanently. Ah, uh, Cassie? Marco whispered. You're the tree-hugging, save-the-rainforest, love-the-planet person here. Who are these guys? Humans, Cassie said. No da, Marco said. That's all I know. Humans. Some bunch of people who live here. What am I? An encyclopedia or something? I don't think they like us, Rachel said but they don't look like they want to kill us. I recognized one of the faces. It was the kid who'd thrown a spear at me before. 
His alert, black eyes watched me. Rachel was right. They didn't like us. I wonder if they saw us morph. I decided to try raising my hands in a gesture of peace. Slowly, slowly, I raised my hands, palm out. No one stabbed a spear in me. That was a good sign. I took a deep breath. Until that moment, I'd forgotten to breathe. Hello. We, uh, we don't want any trouble, I said. You got that right, Marco whispered. One of them stepped forward and came right up to face me. He may have been 30, or 40, or 80, I couldn't be sure. But he was definitely the leader of the group. You could tell. He was wearing extremely little. So little, I think Rachel and Cassie would have been embarrassed if they weren't busy being terrified. The man lowered his spear and peered intently into my face. He spoke, but it was no language I knew. Sorry, I don't speak of... whatever. The man thought that over for a moment. Then he pointed a finger at me and said, Makako. I guess when I didn't understand that either, he decided I was an idiot. He launched into an amazingly good pantomime of a monkey. Oh, monkey? Monkey is Makako? The man nodded and smiled. Then the smile was gone. He jabbed a finger right in my chest. Makako. Tu espiritu makako. Wow, Marco said. That's Spanish. Espiritu means spirit or soul. Maybe it's Portuguese, Cassie said. They speak Portuguese in Brazil. This man is probably the headman of his village. He probably has some dealings with the Brazilians. He must have learned some Portuguese. Portuguese, Spanish, they're sort of alike, Marco said. Spanish is all my grandmother speaks, and my mother grew up speaking Spanish. So you can translate? Rachel asked. Well, no. I mean, I know maybe 50 words, but it's easy to figure out what he's saying. He's saying Jake is the monkey spirit. Espiritu macaco. So they did see us morph, I said. I nodded at the man. Yes, Espiritu macaco. Yes, I was a monkey spirit. He looked hard at Axe, at his extra stock eyes and his wicked tail. Mal Diablo. I'm guessing he's calling Axe a devil, Marco said. I shook my head firmly. No Mal, no Diablo. The man glared at Axe. Then he took the butt of his short spear and began to draw something in the dirt. It took a few seconds for me to recognize it. It was a creature with two arms, two legs, and a tail. He had blades on its elbows, knees, and head. The man pointed at the drawing. Diablo monstro. I swear, I almost started laughing in sheer relief. The man had drawn a hork bajir. Yes, definitely. Mal, Diablo, Monstro, and any other bad word you can think of. I took my bare foot and rubbed out the drawing. He liked that, Rachel said. The guy grinned and slapped his chest. Polo. That's either his name or his favorite brand of shirt, Marco said. I pointed at myself. Jake. The man nodded. Then he rubbed out what was left of the hork picture. He grinned a huge grin. He laughed out loud, and all his men and boys laughed with him. Even the kid who tried to shish-kebab me. You know, I think I like these guys, Rachel said. Suddenly, the skies opened up, and rain came pouring down on us.
pouring down like we were standing under Niagara Falls. Polo grabbed my hand and forearm in a strong grip. We were sealing a deal. Diablos. Mata Diablos. I think he said, hunt, kill the devils, Marco said. I looked into Polo's eyes. I had no doubts. That is exactly what he said. Polo and his people stepped back into the bushes, and in an instant, they were invisible in the pouring rain. Those little guys up against hork warriors? Rachel shook her head skeptically. I have a feeling about those little guys, Cassie said. I think maybe this forest is theirs, and they don't like a bunch of alien Diablos stomping around, killing everything in sight. Better to have them on our side than against us, that's for sure, I said. Suddenly, I felt really tired. Too many dangers. Too much adrenaline. And even though it was just late afternoon here in Brazil, in this time, my own body had been awake and fighting and morphing for almost 24 hours. The rain was just absolutely pouring down from the sky. Tobias couldn't even think about flying. I could see I wasn't the only one exhausted. So this would be the rain part of the rainforest, Marco said. They don't do anything halfway around here, do they? We trudged through the downpour, drinking our fill from the water that drained down from the leaves. But finally, I could see that no one could go any further. At least, I couldn't. Time was running out. We had just about three hours. We had no solid plan. It was the worst possible time for a rest. But there was no going on. Not yet. Let's take a break, I said. Where? Marco asked. I flopped down in the mud and rested my back against a tree. Right here, man. Right here. Cassie came and sat beside me. The noise of the falling rain made our conversation private. How are you doing? Cassie asked me. I shrugged. I'm fine. Why wouldn't I be? She looked at me skeptically. Jake, I know you. I can see it on your face. You're worried. And you're mad. Since I don't think you're mad at any of us, I'm guessing you're mad at yourself. I looked away. Everything will work out, I lied dully. You know, it was kind of funny seeing you and Polo together. Yeah? Why? I didn't really care. I was too tired to care. But Cassie was being kind, and I needed some kindness. Because you're the same, you and Polo. He's you, and you're him. The leaders. You know, he took a big risk putting down his spear. We might have killed him and his people. There was no way he could know if it was the right thing to do. He just made the best decision he could. That's all anyone can ask from any leader. I felt for Cassie's hand in the rain. It was too dim and gray to see her face well. I'm so tired, I said. Cassie laid her head on my shoulder. I know, Jake. Rest. Just rest. Hello, Phantomorphs. And thank you for listening to another episode of Audiomorphs, the Animorphs auditory experience. As always, this is your host, Daniel. Uh, so I'd like to just, you know, right up front, apologize to the Portuguese, I guess, uh, and, and Brazil. Uh, I'm, if it's not apparent, I'm not a, a Portuguese speaker, nor am I a Spanish speaker. Uh, 
uh, had to go on Google Translate and have the little robot lady read those words aloud so that I could get even somewhere close to how you say uh, those words. So I hope I did okay, and I'm sorry. Other than that, uh, we are very close to finishing this book, so let's just keep on trucking. I don't have any other sort of uh, new announcements, so let's just get into those end show notes. This is, of course, Audiomorphs. If you listen to it on iTunes and you feel like leaving me a rating and review, I'd really super appreciate that. Uh, I love hearing feedback about this show that I've become strangely proud of. Uh, I've put a lot into this. Time, money, and uh, learning how to do different things and audacity and all of that and browsing YouTube for sound clips for fully work. It's, it's been a lot. Um, so yeah, if you feel like leaving me a rating or review, that would be cool is what I'm trying to say there. Uh, also, if you'd like to reach me about this podcast or just to say hi, you can do that at audiomorphscast at gmail.com or audiomorphscast.tumblr.com. And of course, I now have a website, theapodcalypse.com. That's apodcalypse. Uh, it's like apocalypse, but I threw a D in there right after the O to make it like podcast. So, you know, check that out. It's another thing I have spent money on. And, you know, I built that not from scratch. I used a template from uh, Weebly, but I, I did make that website and I am paying to host it. So check it out. I think it's kind of cool. That's all I got this week. So, you know, I think we got two more episodes in for this book. So uh, strap in. Things are about to get real wild in this story. I'll see you next week. My name is Daniel, and I believe one day the Andalites will come. Until then, we fight.